We are back with another episode of The Podcast Was Good, a podcast by the Crimson Quarry Network. As always, I am your host, Jacob. As always, I am joined by Austin. It's a great time to be a uh, IU sports fan. Austin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right, man. You know, big week for IU athletics. Uh, a lot of really fun stuff going on, stuff for us to talk about. It is going to be a very busy episode. There is indeed a ton to talk about. We're going to try to keep it as brief as possible. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a rating and review. Uh, you know the you know the jig with that one. Uh, we're going to start off, as always, doing a bit of a recap about last week's game. Uh, it's kind of a frustrating one because, as always, Indiana played a ranked team close, but this one was a much different feel than most of those other games. Uh, I'm going to start off, Austin, you were in attendance in person. Uh, I was. What was the what was the stadium, what was the game like uh, for you? You know what, man? It was actually a really cool environment. Um, Beaver Stadium was really, uh, I think, the first large kind of college football atmosphere I've been around. I mean, I've been, of course, to Indiana. I've been to Illinois, but... Beaver Stadium, you know, there were 106,000 people in the house for that one, and it, it was just a really cool atmosphere, a uh, really cool game day setup that they had. Um, the crowd was great. Uh, the, the game was great. So I, I have nothing to complain about as far as my trip to State College goes. You might have nothing to complain about, but IU fans will have a couple gripes. IU football team, I mean, will have a couple gripes. It was a uh, it was an interesting day with a couple expected um, annoyances. It seems like this program is just cursed whenever they play ranked teams to always have one or two moments where the refs seem to inevitably uh, screw over IU. Um, for those that missed it, haven't heard, I'm sure all of you have. Indiana fell to Penn State 34-27. But boy, did they have some chances and uh, give up some chances as well. It started first quarter, first drive. Uh, Indiana forces a three and out. And inexplicably, Watt Fillier, one of our most reliable players of the season, um, how do I word this? I guess was ruled to have touched the ball on the punt. And Penn State recovered, despite no video evidence suggesting he touched the ball. The call was upheld. Penn State scored a handful of plays later. And that kind of set the tone for how frustrating the day was. Uh, but IU answered. IU came back and scored. Um, they even took a lead briefly for a couple minutes. But the other big frustration that IU fans will have will be with the targeting call that, that wasn't called. Um Whatever argument that you want to try to give as to whether WAP leaned into leaned into the tackle, I have seen far less called targeting. Um, I think my main complaint is with the rule more than it is with the call. Um, it's just frustrating inconsistencies with that with targeting. But Indiana loses WAP for the game, but that didn't deter him. I thought the biggest drive of the game. Um, came in the end of the third, beginning of the fourth. Peyton Ramsey led a 91-yard drive um, when IU absolutely had to score. Cut a 10-point lead down to a 3-point lead, gave them a chance to, uh, to win it, and then Penn State ate off nine minutes, I believe, of game time with just an exhausting drive to ice it. The big takeaway here, though, obviously, is all the, the goofs that Indiana have. I, I didn't even mention in that sequence where Indiana had, had to settle for a field goal because Donovan Hale dropped a touchdown. To you, I'll say my, my take on this. How frustrating was it, was this loss because of all the mistakes Indiana made? Honestly, I, I don't find it terribly frustrating, um, much less so than um, a, a lot of the other close calls in the past, actually, because 
in retrospect, it, it kind of felt like Indiana had something stolen from it than, say, Indiana almost stole something from a team like Penn State or a team like Ohio State. It, it was more Indiana was actually playing well, and Indiana deserved to be in the game instead of playing above its head and catching a few breaks here and there, and that's why they were in the game. Um, obviously, it's not the ideal outcome to lose, but uh, in this loss, and I, I went into much more depth in this on the site in a column that I, I put out, but I, I almost feel more optimistic because of this loss, because a, a lot of people have been saying, well, Indiana hasn't beaten anybody that's good. Indiana hasn't done this. Indiana hasn't done that. They haven't beaten a team with a winning record yet this season. And sure, fine, okay. But on Saturday, Indiana went into one of the the biggest stadiums in college football, one of the best home field advantages, uh, and, and went toe-to-toe with one of the most noteworthy programs in the history of the sport that has a really good team this year, a top-ten team in the nation, more or less undisputed, and they went toe-to-toe with them. They just played them straight up, and they almost won. Uh, they played a really good game, and that's why I, I'm feeling pretty good about this, even though it was a loss. I would be remiss before I add on to your point. I somehow didn't even mention the fake punt gone awry. Um, I think we all want to forget that. Uh, maybe maybe that was subconscious that I uh, blocked it out of my memory, but Honestly, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Um, I don't know. I had a different feeling about this game going into it than I normally do against ranked teams. Um, and it, I think the biggest thing is that Indiana played the way it had all, all season. Um, a lot of times in those games against ranked teams, the frustrating part is that Indiana will kind of play above its head or maybe even just play to the level that we know Indiana can play and it's the other games where there's the valleys where Indiana makes all the mind mind boggling mistakes that, that frustrate you. Um, so maybe that's why it was a different feeling because Indiana had just shredded all of the bad teams, um, coming into the game. I mean, which to kind of build off your point that you said about Indiana hasn't beaten anybody with a winning record as, whoever was with had the Twitter account at the time earlier this week said that's not the normal for Indiana anyway Indiana doesn't beat these teams that they should so even that alone is a step forward for Indiana but uh I mean Saturday just kind of showed how fine the margins are when you're trying to upset upset a good team on the road um even when you're a team as good as Indiana is and Indiana is a very good team um, they sit at 20th in S&P even after the loss. This is a, this is a team, I mean, teams can't afford to make the mistakes Indiana did. Um, as Swick, Kyle Swick noted in the Slack after the game, and as you put in the piece, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It's kind of the, the perfect way to sum up what Indiana did. Um, that's a perfect way to sum up Wop's decision to even be near the ball on that punt. Um, it sums up mm-hmm. even that fake punt, even if it is a miscue, I put in my recap, they called a timeout right before that. Don't go out there and line up for a fake punt. Like if you're going to go for it, just go for it. Um, mm-hmm. don't put your team in a position where that can go awry like that. Um, and some of this is, I guess, stuff of a a relatively new staff, at least a staff in, that isn't used to being in this, in this position, um, that you just... I was fine with the idea of them going for it on that fourth down. I The minute they lined up in that kind of weird formation, I knew things were not going to go well, and they didn't. Um, yeah, me too. So those are the types of margins fine margins that uh, separate an upset on the road and another loss. Um, but as we as we both said, S&P after the game, uh, some of the advanced numbers 
Penn State only had a 27% win expectancy. That was a, I mean, in all honesty, that was a game Penn State stole, um, which is very much not the norm for Indiana against uh, ranked teams. So it was frustrating in a sense that Indiana made a whole bunch of mistakes, but I don't know. I, I really wasn't that frustrated after the game uh, because Indiana played well, well enough. And I thought controlled a lot of that game and lost. Um, does, I mean, you, you mentioned it in the, in the piece, seeing how they played against a team as good as Penn State, does that give you, that gave you some optimism then for, for this Michigan game? Absolutely. Because I, I think that Penn State is better than Michigan. I mean, they've already proved that they beat Michigan already earlier this year, 28 28- 21. Um, I I definitely feel very good about this Michigan game just because of how Indiana played against Penn State because they proved that they can go out there and they can hang with the big boys. Now Indiana gets to come home instead of being on the road against one of the, the big four. They're at home and maybe they've got a chance to catch Michigan in a bit of a trap game which it shouldn't be a trap game because Michigan should realize that Indiana is legit. Um, but, but with all of the, the factors kind of swirling around it, I feel really good about this weekend. I, I can't lie. I feel great. Yeah, we'll dive in a little bit more into the, the preview. I, I too feel pretty good. Uh, a couple shout-outs. We didn't do this in normal format. I'll give my first big, po- or big positive. Um. I'm going to give it to Peyton Ramsey. Like, he continues to prove everyone wrong. Um, he was really good, uh, when he, especially when he had time to throw. Uh, the, the offensive line looked a lot like the offensive line that struggled early in the year on Saturday. Ramsey completed 75% of his passes, threw for 370 yards, had a touchdown passing, had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, an honorable mention to Ty Freifogel, who stepped up with WAP going down. He had the first touchdown when nobody in the state of Pennsylvania was even aware he was running down the middle of the field. Um, he came up, he had five catches for 131 yards. Um, David Ellis, too. He had he stepped up. He was a guy who literally came in for WAP failure and had 85 yards receiving. I, I mentioned a bunch of guys, so I might have taken uh, your guy if you're going to mention him. But what was your your one big positive from this game? Well, you, you took both of my two options that I had laid out, so thank you. <laughs> um, Peyton Ramsey, my goodness, was he good against Penn State. I, I mean, you, you talked about it already, but um, the, the one big thing that really stood out to me was just the way that he moved around the pocket. Uh, I mean, the way that he, he avoided sacks, the way that he moved out of trouble and was able to get down the field himself or to find an outlet or just he, he played a really smart game. Um, and Indiana's offensive line wasn't tremendous, but he was able to make up for that. And, and I was just terribly impressed with the way that he played kind of that part of the game, because that. If he had taken an extra sack here or there, or if he had, you know, gotten, you know, stripped and fumbled the ball, or if he had not been able to step up and make a play, that could be a completely different game for Indiana. And and these drives that Indiana had that were very good could have been, you know, they could have crashed and burned. So to watch Peyton Ramsey do those kind of things, huge, huge 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 amount of appreciation for that um i i also think that just once again i want to toot kalen DeBoer's horn just because in his system peyton ramsey being able to do the things that he does now that he seemingly couldn't do under mike DeBoer, it's tremendous to kind of see it's like night and day we've said this so many times but ramsey great game 
Um, also, Dave Ellis, like you mentioned, he basically came in and filled the WAP role straight up, and as the game went on, he looked better and better and better to the point where Dave Ellis could be a huge player moving forward for the Hoosiers. One thing I'll add on Peyton Ramsey that we haven't said because he hasn't done this before, but one of the knocks I know I said a couple times was that you're not going to upset teams or kind of win these big games with Peyton Ramsey at quarterback. That narrative is long gone as well with about every other narrative that anybody had about Peyton Ramsey. Um, because IU should have won a game against a ranked team. Um, it should have pulled off an upset with Peyton Ramsey at quarterback. Um, he had... <laughs> It's uh, a little oddity, but he had 371 yards passing. Penn State had 371 yards, period. Um, <laughs> just just a, a huge game from him. Like you said, Kalen DeBoer keeps pushing all the right buttons. Um, there's a ton of optimism. The point I want to close on, we're not going to do a, a big negative because we talk. I think they're all going to be things we've already talked about. I've actually um, got one that we didn't. Hit me. Big negative. Wap Billier and KJ Hamler getting hurt in the same game. That just took the entertainment oh, value yeah. and completely tanked it. Um, I, I think everybody should know by now, but I love KJ Hamler. He's so much fun. And him and Wap were basically the two players I was really looking forward to see going, see if they could kind of go head to head, scoring touchdowns, catching passes, making plays. And then they both got hurt. So that's. That, that was a bummer. Hamler's injury was kind of weird on that kickoff return that he got kind of flipped and landed kind of awkwardly on his head. Um, but they I don't know if you saw it. They showed on the sideline that he was asking the trainers for his helmet back, but they wouldn't give it to him, so mm. it to them. Um, the, but, yeah, the one, the one last point I want to make, and part of the reason I wasn't as upset my main takeaway, I put it in the recap coming out of this game, is that if Indiana plays like they did last week, this upcoming game against Michigan, they're going to beat Michigan. Uh, Penn State's a better team, and Indiana had all of the chances to beat Penn State, gave away a bunch of chances, and still were in the game late. Um even that final drive, if any number of things, or that final Penn State drive, if any number of things uh, go differently, they had a couple third down and fourth down conversions. Um, Indiana takes the ball over, and they're driving to potentially win the game. Um, so I think that was why I wasn't as upset, because I was optimistic about what was to come. Um, you said it in your piece well, but, I mean, it's something we we've harped on. Nine win, nine win Indiana is not a bit anymore, and it feels like a very real possibility because this is not uh, not your father's Michigan team coming in on Saturday. So after the break, we will talk this Michigan game and a couple other tidbits at the toward the end. But we'll preview this Michigan game coming up here in a minute. All right, so. As I said, this is a very interesting Michigan team. If Honestly, if Indiana had played Michigan when they played Ohio State, if you just flip-flop those games, I think Indiana beats Michigan fairly easily. Uh, because early in the season, this Michigan team was a mess. Um, they narrowly avoided a loss to um, Army. They got destroyed by Wisconsin. Um, even as late as early October, they were kind of eking out win a win over Iowa. It hasn't been a very convincing season from uh, from Michigan, but the last couple weeks, really since that Penn State game, they seem to have figured some things out. They destroyed Notre Dame. You just hate to see it. They destroyed Maryland. They destroyed Michigan State last week. Even with that being said, 
I still think this is as winnable a game against Michigan as I can remember there ever being, at least going into the game. I still think of that Jordan Howard game. That game will haunt me for haunt I'm, lots of IU fans forever. Um, but is that? Do you have the same sense that this is about as winnable as a as a game against Michigan as there has been? Yeah, I, I mean this Michigan team just feels really weird because usually when all of the signs point to a team being good, I mean they're eight and two. They're 12th in the AP poll. They're 10th in SP+. Usually all of those things mean that a team is good. And I, I just, I'm not terribly worried about Michigan. I just, there's not, I mean, they, they have a good defense. Okay. Their offense doesn't do a whole lot for me. I just, I have no fear of Michigan for any reason. It's not like, you know, they've got some, you know, tremendous team that's going to come in and it, they're competing for maybe a college football playoff spot or this or that. It just, they feel very, very bland for a, a possible top 10 team in the country. I think of any of the, uh, the big teams, I, I don't know if this is a shared opinion amongst everyone. Michigan's a team that has frustrated me the most because there's been so many times that we should have beaten them. Um, we were right there a couple years, two years ago. Really, Peyton Ramsey's, uh, I guess, breakout game. We lose to him in overtime. Um, lose 48-41 in 2015. The ridiculous 63-47 game. Uh, which is still an absurd, absurd game. Uh, the Denard Robinson game where Indiana scores to, to tie it late and then he, Denard Robinson makes a couple plays. Really, it was a pass interference. I remember being at that game. Um, the game in the big house where, uh, joint possession went to the defense for some reason and Bill, Bill Lynch threw his gum into the crowd. Um, there's just been so many moments where Indiana has been so close against this Michigan team and, and hasn't been able to, to come away with the win. Do you know the last time Indiana beat Michigan? Oh God. Off the top of my head, I would guess that it was in the early nineties. Nope. You, you were not born. I will give you that hint. Oh god, that only leaves me about a couple thousands of years of history to go back to. Um, <laughs> thanks for the hint. Uh, was it the, the 70s? 1987, Indiana won 14 to 10. Ah, that was the only win Indiana's had over Michigan dating back to 1967. Uh, this has been quite yeah. a one-sided I, you can't call it a rivalry, a series. Michigan currently has a 23-game winning streak. Uh, but this particular team, you mentioned a couple things. I literally wrote down weird-ass Wolverines as my note because this is a very weird team. Um, Shea Patterson, still there somehow. Um, it feels like he's been there forever. But... With him being there forever, they have routinely had pretty bad offenses. And again, they have a, I mean, relatively speaking, their offense ranks 34th, which is a huge step down from Penn State, whose offense ranks 11th. Um, whereas the defense is 5th, which, if I'm not mistaken, that is what Penn State's defense was last week coming into the game. Um, they, Penn State's defense dropped down to 12th after IU hung almost 500 yards on them. That part doesn't worry me necessarily, and honestly, that's why I have some optimism, because IU's offense has been able to get points against everyone not named Ohio State. Um, 
it's whether the defense can make enough stops to give IU a chance. Is that kind of the, the mindset you have coming into this game? Yeah, I mean, I think that the offense, like you said, can hang with anybody that's not like Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Clemson. Like, they, they can hang with a lot of teams. The defense is going to be what I'm worried about. And like I said last week, they've got to make big plays. And they did last week at times. You know, there was the, the big fumble recovery that Indiana fumbled right back, uh, which didn't help. But I, I, Shea Patterson has been a little turnover averse this season. I, I mean, he's certainly a dude that exists and apparently plays quarterback for the Wolverines. And I, I think that's as much as I can say about him. He's fine. Uh, but he does do a good job of taking care of the ball. He's got a 16 to four touchdown interception ratio. Uh, it's not what you like to see when you need maybe a, a big interception or a big fumble, et cetera, to, to kind of galvanize your defense, which Indiana probably does at some point in this game because that's the easiest way really to get a stop. You can take a pass off at any time. You can force a fumble at any time. You don't have to worry about getting to third and nine and then having the quarterback scramble like so many times last week, which mm -hmm. is another thing that... Very frustrating. Terribly yeah. frustrating. That's the one frustrating thing about that game for me. But um, I, I think that if the defense can make a handful of stops, make one big play, two big plays... Indiana's in good position. The defense has been able to get turnovers um, really the whole time Tom Allen has been here. The defense has been decent at getting turnovers. Um, it's kind of the, the in-between stuff. They're really good on third down. They're really good at turnovers, but the, the kind of valleys or the lapses um, come in between when you reel off like Penn State had a 19 play drive um, where that iced the game or as you also mentioned the 38 I think 38 yard touchdown run against a quarterback you know can run the ball um, those are the frustrating breakdowns that have kind of plagued this IU defense uh, really not even just this year. That's just always kind of been, say, for the, the handful of years that IU had an elite defense, that's always been their bugaboo is those breakdowns to, to let those big back-breaking plays uh, really just kind of sap the momentum from you. Um, but, yeah, this will be an interesting matchup of strength versus strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness because Michigan has one of the best defenses in the country. IU has one of the best offenses. They're ranked 13th and IU offense ranked 13th. That is incredible and fun. But also unlike the other times IU's had a really good offense, their defense is ranked 34th as opposed to like 134th or 100th <laughs> or whatever it was during the chaos team days. Um, so it'll be interesting. It's strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness. I'm intrigued. Um, a lot of my optimism comes from the fact that, as I said, IU can tear up any any defense. And in some regard, I don't know necessarily that Michigan can keep up, even if it turns into a shootout. Um, I don't know that necessarily when Indiana's playing at their best that Michigan can keep up. That would be asking a lot out of an offense that has struggled at the same time. Indiana's also at times made very uh, Mayo quarterbacks, potentially from Michigan State, look really good. <laughs> um, so it's kind of hit and miss, but for me, there's a lot of optimism. I think this is set up to be a really, really fun game. Um, Indiana... As much as we talked about how good Kalen DeBoer is, 
how how this offense is just kind of humming along. And even as good as Dave Ellis was filling in, Indiana needs WAP failure. Um, unfortunately, as we record, there's no update on him. There was no update on Monday. I believe Tom Allen's exact words were, I don't know. Um, he is in, he was in concussion protocol and it's kind of out of his hands at that point. Uh, Thursday, there'll probably be an update on him. Um, how important do you think he is in IU's upset chances? Can they upset Michigan without him? We've talked about how fantastic Wap Billiard is. We, we've done it all season. He's a guy who I think has a future in professional football. He's a guy who is arguably the best player on the Indiana offense. That being said, it wouldn't be ideal to not have him on Saturday, but at the same time, that doesn't kill your upset chances. I, I would have maybe been a bit adverse to say that before Dave Ellis did what Dave Ellis did on Saturday. I, I think that even without WAP, you've still got Ty Freifogel. You've still got Dave Ellis. You've still got Nick Westbrook and maybe Donovan Hale, who can possibly not drop a touchdown pass this weekend. You've still got Peyton. Nobody gave him popcorn this week. You've still got Peyton Hendershot. I, this offense still has a lot of different weapons that I, I think not having WAP failure won't hurt as much as you would expect it to. The the good thing about what DeBoer has done with this offense is that it isn't reliant on one player. Um, like in the past, it has been with some of these IU offenses. Um, it certainly accentuates a player like Fillier, um, makes him look really good. He is really good, but... Um, it puts him in positions to succeed. Uh, but it's also an offense that you can get around injuries. Um, there may not be a position IU is deeper at right now than wide receiver, which also helps. Mm-hmm. Um, you certainly never want your number one at any position to go down, but they may not be better equipped to withstand that at any position like they are at wide receiver. Um, Again, Dave Ellis coming in as a true freshman and and performing the way he did Saturday gives you a ton of optimism. Um, Nick Westbrook, there's been more and more sightings of him as the season has went on. Still stunned at um, how... I don't even want to say how poorly, it's not how poorly he's played. I, I just, how little he's been featured. Um, but you, you have a guy like Ty Freifogel who stepped right up and wops roll and, and excelled. Um, so I'm, if they have WAP, I'm certainly a lot more optimistic even than I am now. I do still think that they can beat Michigan without him because of the way this offense has been constructed. Before we do some predictions, some other uh, stuff, I went back while we were talking. This 63-47 game, just to relive some of the stats, because I remember just shaking my head that whole game. Um, it would have been 40, what would that be, 42-40 going into the fourth? And then we lose 63-47. There were 1,323 yards of offense that game. Um, Devin Gardner passed for 503 yards. Jeremy Gallon caught 14 passes for 369 yards and two touchdowns. And yet, IU was still in the game, even while also playing two quarterbacks. Trey Roberson passed for 288 yards and three touchdowns. Nate Sudfeld passed for 122 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Kofi Hughes caught six catches for 138 yards. Cody Latimer caught uh, five passes for 96 yards. Shane Wynn had a couple touchdowns. 
This is a very much a remember some guys game. Um, because Devin Funches for Michigan caught four passes for 84 yards. Uh, there were guys, Greg Heben, there's another remember that guy name. Uh, he had a, looks like he had a sack. Or no, he had 12 tackles in the game. Hopefully, we will not be having any 63-47 shootouts. Or if we do, we are on the 63 side this this upcoming week. Um, a little update. For those that haven't seen, um, Crimson Corey, along with Homefield Apparel and Banner Society, all are having a kind of joint big tailgate before the game. There is, I encourage you to go to our Twitter, our Twitter account or Homefield Apparel's Twitter account. Um, they have a, a map of where the tailgate is going to be, but there'll be a fence off section on 17th and Woodlawn, um, really right off the road. Um, shouldn't be too hard to find. I believe there's going to be nine Windiana flags, so I can't imagine too many of those are going to be around, so look for those. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people, uh, a lot of fun times. Um, there, there will be no beer provided, as someone astutely uh, mentioned on our Twitter account, due to several sections of the Indiana Code. We, the, there will be no alcohol provided, but there will be snacks and giveaways you can bring your own alcohol. Um, we just won't be providing any. And as uh, I assume Swick noted, do not bring Bob Knight with you. Um, <laughs> Austin will be there. I will not be there. I cannot make a noon kickoff. Um, I will be excitedly watching, living vicariously through everybody taking shots there. If you're going to the game, stop by. Um, when... Win some some stuff, get some nine Windiana shirts, I believe, home field apparel or stickers, nine Windiana stickers, uh, Banner Society shirts, should be a lot of fun. If you're going though, um, you need to reserve or ba basically just let people know that you're showing up. Um, so we we have a rough idea of how many people are going. Again, that's on Home Field Apparel's Twitter account. We have quote tweeted it. Um, on our Twitter account, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Everything's been threaded with their Twitter account. As they've provided updates, it's pretty easy to find. But be sure you RSVP if you're going. Um, it should be an exciting one. Looking at the S&P numbers should provide you some more reason for optimism. S&P predicts Michigan, the margin of 2.4 points. So rounded up, 28-25 Michigan. They have the line at Michigan minus 10. If that is still the line, I will, again, bet money on it because I got Michigan at, or I got Indiana at plus 8, and I thought that was high. What is, I don't know if I gave a score. They, they predict 28, yeah, 28-25. Uh, what is your prediction for Saturday? I think it'll be just a touch higher scoring than SP Plus predicts. Um, and I'm actually going to take Indiana. I'm going to say Hoosiers win 35-31. Um, I am taking Indiana. I think there'll be more points than that even. I'm going to say 41-35 Indiana. Uh, I expect a bit of a shootout. I expect a really fun atmosphere though. Um, we shouldn't have to tell you guys at this, but because if you're listening, I'm sure you are going. But get out, support this team. Um, last home game of the year, that alone should be reason to support this team. Um, it is Michigan. It's going to be, as we said at the beginning of this segment, the best chance we've had in a really long time to beat Michigan. Get out, support this team for one last time before uh, – before they go bowling, before they go to Purdue and then go bowling. So it's a really fun one. I'm really excited uh, because I really think this is the year that Indiana hopefully, please, finally does it. Um, 
as you mentioned at the top of the show, it's a very exciting time for IU Athletics. It, it almost feels like we buried them a bit here, but men's soccer team, the 10th double in program history. Uh, boy, they had a couple of nervy, nervy games on the weekend. Um, did you get a chance to watch either of the games? I was traveling all weekend, of course, because I was going to state college, but I did get a chance to catch, uh, I did get a chance to catch extra time of the championship game, and I, I don't know if nervy is enough to describe how I felt during that, because, woo, boy, that was, that was a bit stressful. So I, I actually did get a chance to watch both games. Uh, the the semifinal game being tape delayed helped me. I had almost avoided spoilers, and <laughs> five minutes before the game, I shared it with Austin. I won't throw anyone under the bus, but it was spoiled <laughs> five minutes before the game. I was quite upset. Um, I guess in some regard, I shouldn't have been on Twitter, but uh, the Maryland game... I was prepared to be incredibly frustrated. Indiana created a ton of chances. That was one-way traffic for the entirety of the night. And they, as many chances as they were creating, they were blowing every one of them. Um, it was it was straight up them just choking. They had 22 shots, 12 on goal. Even for as much as I want to say they were choking, they had shots cleared off the line. They had ridiculous saves. It was setting up to be an all-time frustrating game, especially against, as we talked about, a Maryland side that kind of had IU's number of late. Uh, then finally, thankfully, the 103rd minute, um, only a, a handful of, uh, of minutes to go, Indiana gets, I don't know that it was a harsh penalty. It was a penalty, though. Uh, Jack Mayer converts. Indiana goes to the final. I don't know if it was the tired legs. That Michigan game was a wild one because, again, Indiana comes flying out of the gate, creating a ton of chances, a ton of shots. Again, they don't convert. And this time Michigan was just as... uh, just as capable of creating chances as well. Um, they actually ended up out shooting Indiana 9-4, to but there was only five total shots on goal. Um, but Michigan was definitely, by the end of the game, the far more dangerous side, I thought. Indiana had some moments late, but I was very worried. And then it goes to penalties, and I, I don't know what I've said on here, I don't know that there's a more cruel way to decide games often of the magnitude that penalty kicks decide games uh, than penalties. But a couple big saves, and uh, Indiana survives, I would say, the, the championship game uh, more than they won it because that one was, uh, was nervy at the very least. Um, but yeah, a couple big saves from... Uh, Celitano in the shootout and Indiana gets the double. That was the good news. The bad news is apparently the selection committee did not give a damn because boy did they get one hell of a draw. Um, first, before we the draw, I, I forgot to mention this. Indiana had a pair of guys make top drawer soccer's weekly team. Jack Mayer, again, was selected to the first team. Aiden Morris was an honorable mention. Both of them had really great tournaments. Um, but, yeah, a pretty brutal draw because Indiana's first game is likely to be, it'll be against the winner of Kentucky and Loyola Chicago, likely to be Kentucky. And if you guys recall, we came on here, some many months ago, talking about a 0-0 draw against Kentucky. Uh, and Kentucky had one of the best defenses in the country. Um, that's only the beginning of it, because Maryland and Michigan are in the same uh, 
side of the bracket that Indiana is in. Um, because, again, the selection committee apparently hates the Big Ten. After they had three teams in the College Cup last year, they will not have three teams in the College Cup this year. Um, what was your initial reaction to what this selection committee kind of did on this half of the bracket? If you just look, the first thing that I noticed was just all of the, the names. There are some really good programs in this regional of the bracket. And, and maybe they don't have the, the best teams that they've had, but, you know, a, a program like Notre Dame is in this regional. And Notre Dame is a team that's usually top ten in the country, this and that, very good, and one of Indiana's regular rivals. And Notre Dame didn't get a national seed this year, but that's still Notre Dame. That's, that's a program you have to worry about. That's a team that played Indiana pretty well earlier this year, um, and they're lurking if they can get past – the teams that are set in front of them. I, I mean, you've got, you mentioned Maryland and Michigan. Those are two good teams and they're on the other side of the bracket. Um, Indiana probably getting Kentucky in the first round. And if they advance past Kentucky, then they're getting one of UC Santa Barbara, California, Berkeley and St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a team that was ranked as high as number six nationally earlier this year. They're the 12th national seed. And then if you can get past all of that as the Hoosiers, you have to take a trip to Wake Forest. And, and Wake Forest is one of the premier programs in college soccer, at least in recent years. Uh, a, a team that, you know, is at that same level as Indiana, the, the number four national seed this year. Very good program. So it's just, if Indiana makes the College Cup again this year, they will have absolutely earned it in every sense of the word. It was it was interesting to look because I see some of the like the first thing I did was I looked at Kentucky not being a national seed and thought, oh well, they must have fallen off after they uh, after that Indiana game and they started playing poorly. Not at all. Like they were still they had a couple slip ups here and there, but they were largely still a very good team. 12-4-3, they lost in the second round of the Conference USA Championship to the one-seed Marshall, but this was still like a really good team. Um, After that Indiana game, they went 4-5-2, not counting the, the conference tournament. Like this was still, their two losses were to number 20 Marshall, number 20 overall and number 15 overall FIU. So still a really good team. Um, they ended the year ranked 19th in the coaches poll. Um, Indiana finished sixth after their their Big Ten tournament. But like you said, Wake Forest is number nine in the co- or in the coaches poll. Um, I don't. There apparently isn't much correlation between coaches poll and national seed. Um, St. Mary's is tenth. Um, this is an absolutely UC Santa Barbara's 22nd. Um, just an absolutely loaded field. And then we've talked a lot about Michigan and Maryland already this year. I don't know that either of them are ranked, um, but that was two teams in the end that just barely survived for uh, back-to-back games. Um, that was an absolutely brutal draw. I didn't look at a lot of the other uh, matchups across the rest of the brackets because... I just assumed everybody was in this half of the bracket with uh with how ridiculous this this was. So Indiana will start off a daunting uh bid to get to the College Cup on Sunday. They will play the winner of Kentucky and Loyola Chicago. Um Loyola oh no, that's Loyola Marymount. Um Loyola is not ranked. Kentucky's hosting the game. I would be stunned if it's not Kentucky they're playing. Um, if they get past Kentucky, they'll play likely either St. Mary's or UC Santa Barbara. Again, two ranked teams. They will host both of those games, assuming they make it that far. Um, the they will be they're one a week now, um, more or less. So the the next game 
against either St. Mary's or Santa Barbara. Wouldn't be until December 1st. So there'll be another show before that. Um, the Kentucky Loyola game will be Sunday at noon on BTN. Um, earlier in the year, like we mentioned, Kentucky game went to double overtime. Honestly, a pretty boring game. Kentucky, really, really good defensive team. I believe at the time they had like a, I don't remember the minute streak. It was a really, really long streak of not conceding in the hundreds of minutes. Um, so really good defensive team. This is a lot different IU team than played them in early October, though, as we talked about. So it'll be a, as you said, if Indiana gets to the College Cup this year, boy, boy, did they earn it. Because this is about ready to be a, an incredibly tough um tough couple weeks to try to get back to the college cup in North Carolina. Um, last thing, we're not going to spend a ton of time this week on the women's basketball team for two reasons. Uh, one, we, this is already probably our longest podcast yet. And, um, we want to try to get out here, get out of here in a somewhat timely manner, but two, they only played one game this week again. Um, they routed Jackson State, and therefore, including their exhibition game, they scored 109, 75, 111, and 91 points. Um, it's a decent offense that this team has. The biggest news about them, they moved up to number 18 in the poll, the highest ranking the program's ever had. Um, they go to Florida on Friday of this week. Uh, play at Gainesville, and then they will go to the Paradise GM next week um, during the holidays. We will talk much more about them next week um, as kind of a preview of that Paradise Jam, because as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, that is going to be a barometer of how good this Indiana team is, because they, they will face some very, very stiff competition um, heading into that. That will be all we talk about for women's basketball this week. We'll we'll dive in more next week. Um, that will be all we have for today. Uh, a long show, a lot to talk about, a very exciting, uh, as Austin said to start, very exciting time to be an IU sports fan. Um, there's plenty to check in on, uh, plenty to watch. Go go out and support the team on Saturday. Stay in, make some chili or something, and, and watch the team on Sunday, the, the soccer team. Um, and we will be back here next week to hopefully finally talk about a win over a ranked team uh, to recap the Michigan game, preview the Old Oak and Bucket game, and hopefully talk some more about the men's soccer team advancing in the tournament and the women's team playing in a huge uh, holiday tournament. So, again, a lot to talk about, a lot upcoming. Uh, we appreciate everyone who supported us. Uh, if you can, leave a rating and review. It's a huge help for us. Um, but, yeah, that'll do it for us. So, for Austin, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everyone.